Good morning. It is the 11th of July, and the sun is now up here in the Midwest, where so many of our listeners are from, also on the East Coast and Hartford. I appreciate your listening this morning. And as it's streaming live across the country, the sun will be rising, I promise, on the West Coast as well. And everywhere across that network, the tomb is empty. And we start out the show at the top of each hour declaring that truth because it is what bonds us together in life. And the difficulties and the uncertainty and the anxiety that we face, the fact that that tomb is empty means that there is always hope. And there is always future in the beautiful kingdom of Jesus. So welcome to Faith Radio Mornings. I'm your host, Peter Kapsner, joined in studio by the somewhat bitter, I would say, Logan Rausch at this point, because we were referencing Hamilton uh, last hour with Jonathan Den Hertog, and, and, and it's this incredible phenomenon, obviously sweeping our country. And I indicated that I had some tickets for this performance coming up here in August, September range. And, and Logan, you've sort of lost hope. But now Bill English has joined us in studio, as he does here on Faith Radio Mornings at this time on Wednesdays. And Bill, you gave us the even <clears throat> better news that you've actually seen this in Chicago. Yeah. So, you know, can I help walk Logan through the, maybe the problems that he's dealing with right now? Well, the problems are mostly emotional for Logan. Yeah. But uh, what I would say is that Hamilton was a, a great show. It was. Uh, if you like rap. Oh, interesting. And so, so if, if you don't like rap music, you are not going to like Hamilton. Well, I will confess that my my kids and my wife were incredibly early adopters of this, and they know that. I'm sure they're listening now. Oh, they saying, love rap. Oh, they love, and they're, I'm sure they're rolling their eyes and knowing Dad was the late adopter in the steel. But I'm getting there, Bill, and I, and I have to say that uh, it's it's a fascinating, mesmerizing story. Actually, it in is. the history of our country, it I is. really didn't know how contentious everything was. I didn't, I, and I think what really inspired me was these young men and young women who saw a vision bigger than themselves that they wanted to bring into being, and they gave their lives for this. Yeah, they did. All the founding fathers had their lives on the line when they signed the Declaration, when they went through the process of creating the Constitution, all that. Uh, but Hamilton, in and of itself, very well done in Chicago anyways. Uh, uh, nice stage, good transitions on and off, but n- virtually no dialogue. Yeah, it's just- all, all of the dialogue is in rap. I couldn't understand half of it. Most of it went too fast for me because I'm mm. 57 and yeah, I'm yeah. old and I'm pop bellied and, you know, and I'm I'm unlike Logan. I'm, I'm an old guy. Yeah. And uh, so it went too fast for me, parts of it. But the parts that weren't too fast i really enjoyed well logan i'll try to hold up my my iphone and try to at least get some video of it and show you the day after in studio here we'll, we'll celebrate that together it's seven minutes past the hour here on faith radio mornings we'll take a short break and again you've already heard his voice bill english will be talking bible and business love this topic every week here on faith radio morning stay with us And that, of course, is our Huey Lewis and the News music that represents the fact that Bill English is in studio talking Bible and business. And, Bill, you made us aware, just as you kind of stepped into the studio, that you are the longest-running guest now of Faith Radio Mornings, I believe, right? It's starting your fifth year. Well, I didn't know that. I'm starting my fifth year here on the air. I didn't know I was the longest-running guest here. Yeah, so you've seen a lot in these mornings, right? I mean, you've you've been through quite a few things. Any any reflections on your experience here? Uh, I still miss Austin Hill. You still miss Austin Hill. I still miss Austin Hill. What a, what a great guy. He and I were developing a great friendship. Yeah. And uh, I still miss him. I remember the first time, because uh, I used to sit in your chair. Yeah. And he would be up here on the screen uh, in Skype because he would, he would do the show from Boise. Yep. And uh, I remember the first time I sat in that chair after he died. And, mm. and it, was, mm. it was a tough morning. Yeah, that is tough. And, and you reference the fact that as you're kind of going through your host, who's, who's been maybe your favorite host? I know you missed Austin. But... Uh, yeah, actually, my favorite host is the one that's coming after you. So. <laughs> 
I don't want to insult anybody here. <laughs> no, no, no that, that, that's part of my love language there. I know I'm wanted when there's a little bit of teasing. So thanks uh, so much for that, Bill. Well, I do. I love it when you come into studio like this. I love the energy you bring in. And especially what I appreciate is that you're always bringing in sort of this um, this interwoven reality of business and Christianity. And I think so many of us, when we think about our vocation, whether it be a teacher or a lawyer or a business person, we think we kind of have that side of our life, and then we have the faith side of our life. But these two things really do come together. And so I appreciate you coming on to talk about that. Well, you're welcome. And so I love on your site, too, BibleandBusiness.com, you have 69 undeniable truths. And each week you've come on, I try to hit one or two of these because I'm really intrigued by, by the estate statements that you make, they really matter for all of life. I love number 61, where you say some endings are necessary. I'm a guy who hates uh, any kind of ending. And so talk us through that. I think that's actually part of the fall. Some endings are necessary. I think if sin had not entered the world, then we wouldn't have to have endings in relationships. But mm-hmm. the reality is, in business, some endings are necessary. Sometimes you simply have to end a professional relationship. It's best for you. It's best for the other person. It's best for the business time to get it over, get it done and move on. And we're going to talk about turnarounds in just a second. When, but when do you, when can you discern about when it's time to end something? You can kind of feel the momentum going that way, right? You feel like what was having a lot of energy and vibe to it is maybe sort of shifting. When do you know that this could be a turnaround situation? And when do you know that it's time to come uh, to an end? Well, those, those are two different questions. So uh, in terms of the endings question, uh, I read a book one time called Fire Someone Today. Hmm. <laughs> that was wow. the title of the yeah. book, right? And they said the first time you think about fire Hiring somebody is the time when you should let them go. Interesting. And so I don't know if that really fits here uh, totally, but I do know that in your intuition, you just get to the place where having a relationship with this person is more work than what it's worth. Yeah, and and that, yeah, that get, makes perfect sense to just say that. But, but you're suggesting that there's even an intuition right at the beginning when if you're starting to, to play around with that, that it's pretty tough to recover from that reality. Yeah, and most people persist in these uh, dysfunctional relationships far too long. And they don't end them soon enough. And if they were to end them soon enough, the relationship might actually be repairable down the road. But you persist in it long enough, and it's just a crappy, I'm sorry, I shouldn't use that word on the air, but it's just <laughs> a horrible, it <laughs> yes. it's just a horrible, uh, a horrible relationship. And it just, it, it extends and extends and extends. Boy, you just got to cut that thing, cauterize it and get, move on with your life. Hmm. Is, it, is it sort of fear of the unknown? I mean, it sometimes feels safer sometimes to live with what you have, even if it's dysfunctional. I mean, that's not just a business reality. That, that can be an all of life reality where we stay within the dysfunction because it feels safe somehow, even though it's dysfunctional versus what would happen if I don't have this any longer. Yeah, you must have studied some family therapy. Yeah, from time to time, for right, sure. Because, yeah, yeah uh, that's, that's the whole point of dysfunctional families is that they put pressure on the dysfunctional ones to go back to their dysfunction because that's more familiar to them. Yeah. So, yeah, that, what you're saying, suggesting is true. Okay. Well, I would love to get into the subject of business turnarounds. You and I have kicked yeah. this around off air a little bit, and yeah, I think it's more than just business turnarounds that it, it can be a principle for all of life, actually. But let's start with business. You have a, a great article that you wrote on this about when to know that you, you better start turning this thing around, and, and how do you do that? What in your experience, You're actually in the, in the midst of a business turnaround right am, now, yeah. are you now? You want to yes. talk us through some of the details of that? Uh, it's $28 million uh, health care company that yeah. we're turning around really should have been out of business. We came in in December, did our due diligence, and uh, through a series of events, I won't go into them, uh, Platinum Group, which mm-hmm. is where I actually work. I don't work for this company. I work for the Platinum Group. We now uh, own this uh, 
this healthcare company, and uh, <clears throat> uh, it's a, a turnaround is something where the business probably should go under, it probably should go bankrupt, but then you get outside assistance and folks like us come in and we uh, return the business to health. Mm. And without getting into the specifics of this current turnaround, obviously, you know, but have you seen over the years? commonalities among businesses that need to be turned around like what what are some of the signs that we can look for you say we better get this ship straightened out here well if if you're a business owner or if you're working at a business and you hear any of these things happening two or more you're probably headed towards a turnaround number Mm -hmm. one you're stretching your vendors you can't pay them all on time number two you're worried about how you're going to make payroll Mm -hmm. or maybe you're only making partial payroll uh, number three, you can't. You're the owner, and you can't bring yourself to fire under and performing employees. You know that they're not good. You know that they're not the right people. You can't bring yourself to fire them. They're a drain. Uh, number four, you're sick of the constant bickering and arguing in your office, and nothing is getting done because of it. And then there's others like uh, your bank is uh, not extending your line of credit anymore. They're squeezing you. Maybe they're reducing your line of credit. Maybe they're asking for financials more often. Your customers are going elsewhere. You know your product or service line is outdated. Um, others are telling you things are not good, but you refuse to listen. Mm. Holy smokes. Yeah. I, I know of owners that do that. And uh, probably you might have even lost your passion and your drive for your business. All those are indicators, uh, two or more, you're probably headed towards bankruptcy if you don't get this thing turned around. Wow. that's uh, Those are some incredible statements to, to make. Where can we find that, that list, actually? It's right, that? I, I put it out here at Bible and Business. Uh, I have an article I wrote for today's yeah. uh, spot. It's just called Turnarounds. It's right on the front page. There. Yeah. When I was looking that over, I just thought, boy, there's a lot of business owners that could benefit from reading some, just, just evaluating themselves in light of these. And I think, what have you found? found for business owners, is there almost a fear to look really um, hard and honestly at the situation in their business? or Because these are not fun things to say, hey, this might be failing, right? I mean, most people want to succeed. And so is there a fear of failure that might prevent us from looking real hard at our business in these ways? It, it might be a fear of failure. It's probably also an arrogance of success. Oh, uh, You, you pro- combine the arrogance and the fear and you get stubbornness and a refusal to see reality for how it is. They, they tend to see things for how they wish they were. The, the, uh, the turnaround that we're in, the previous CEO, uh, not the current one, but, but the previous CEO, uh, would simply would be handed uh, financials that were showing million-dollar-plus losses every year, and she would just go, I don't believe them. Mm. I, I don't know what you do with that. Yeah, yeah. What do you do with an owner who's given truth and they go, ah, I don't believe it? Oh, wow. Is there any sort of relevance, or just we'll take a break in a minute, but relevance yeah. that you see that then extends maybe into family systems and into churches as well, some of these principles that it might not be financially related entirely, but some of the interaction that can cause the failure of churches and families too? I, I, I would go back to one thing we've already mentioned this morning, and it's this. I'm going to see things for how I wish they were rather than for how they are. I'm going Mm. to see things for how I want them to be in the future rather than for how they are now. In churches, in families, in businesses, when you do that, you are setting yourself up for failure. That's great stuff, Bill. When we come back from break, I would love to then uh, shift the conversation to what do we do after we have a clear eye looked at the situation? How do we begin to take steps back towards health? It's Bill English, BibleandBusiness.com. Join us each week here on Faith Radio Mornings. Take a short break and be back with more.
It is 19 minutes past the hour here on Faith Radio Mornings, joined in studio by Bill English of BibleandBusiness.com. And before the break, we were talking about leadership, Bill, and, and just uh, some of the signs of failure in a business. And thirty uh, principle 39 of these undeniable truths on your site actually speaks to that, which uh, you, you write, servant leadership doesn't actually work when the one being served is arrogant or rebellious. Yeah, you can't serve somebody who doesn't want to be served or who thinks that they're above the service or who thinks they're above the one serving them. So if you have arrogant and rebellious people on your staff and you're a Christian business owner and you're mm. trying to live out this servant leadership, uh, those people aren't going to follow you. Yeah. And so that's an ending that's necessary. And what's the difference, would you say, between arrogance and confidence? Uh, arrogance is it's all about me. Confidence is it's all about what God has given to me that I can use in his service. Yeah, that's interesting. So there's a bit of humility that underpins confidence yes. versus an arrogant. Yeah, yeah. Arrogance doesn't have humility. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would, that would seem to make some sense. Thanks for walking me through that this morning. Yeah, you know, you, anything to help you out there, buddy. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. We'll look forward to that next host as well. So, yeah. uh, so you, uh, you, you're obviously in the middle of a, of a turnaround uh, situation in this. And I'd be curious. So once you have a clear-eyed look at the situation, and you come to some honest evaluation of the situation that it needs to be turned around, what are some first steps that you need to take to turn something around? I think this is relevant not just for business, it's for families, it's for churches, it's any walk of life. But what, what do you see in this? Yeah, the first thing you have to do is get control of cash. Okay. okay, so you have to stop burning cash and you have to start building cash. That's yeah. the first thing you have to do is get control of cash. Second thing you have to do is deal with your vendors. Hmm. The vendors that you owe money to, they need to become part of the solution. So everybody is asked to participate in the turn of the business. Yeah. And so the vendors, <clears throat> so at Platinum, we don't pay for old value. We only pay for new value when we come in to turn a company. So all the vendors that are owed money, we get on the phone with them and we say, look, at some point in the future, we plan to pay you something. But right now you're going to participate by not taking payments so that we can begin to build cash and and turn the cash around. So everybody has to participate. The vendors, the company, uh, if necessary, the employees, although we tend to not like to do payroll uh, reductions necessarily. Um, And then we look at the management and we say, uh, is the management the right people to be running the company? Probably not since they're in a turnaround. Yeah. So what we do is I'm sorry, I had to cough there for a second. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, So what we do is we come in and we either run the company for them or we uh, do some heavy coaching with them on what they should and should not be doing and what they should be paying attention to and not paying attention to. Mm. We look at expenses we can cut uh, to get us under the break even. We figure the cash break even. We try to get under it and stay there and start building cash. The cash is really the big deal here. You got to get control of cash. Yeah, that makes sense. And do you see characteristics within leaders that really can uh, enter into this turnaround and make it successful uh, versus maybe some other characteristics that lead to failure? I mean, what would you say are some of the key characteristics for success in leadership on the turnaround? In the turnaround, you've got to be able to have – it takes a team to turn around a company, not one person. Okay. This is where most business owners think that they can just do it on their own. They can't. Okay, They will fail at this if they try to do this on their own. So uh, at Platinum, what we try to do is if we're going to put a guy in there – in this case, I've been put into uh, this $28 million healthcare company. Our, our analogy is I stay in the eye of the hurricane. I stay where it's calm, and I run the business, and I try to improve the operations. The team deals with all the swirl, the legal problems, the vendor problems, the cash flow problems, the bank problems, the investor problems, all those things the team deals with. I get freed from all those distractions, and I just work on running the business and growing the business because without growth – 
without cash, it's not going to work anyways. Yeah. So that's that's kind of, and you have to have the ability to work with uncertainty and to be okay with that. And you mentioned, we talked in the first segment about uh, sometimes endings are appropriate. Sometimes we need to end uh, what we're doing. Do you have moments in these turnarounds where maybe actually ending the business is the best option? <clears throat> and how do you walk through some of the grief process of that and kind of move towards towards health when something has failed? You know, we always, uh, and I shouldn't say always, but many times we, we hit a point in a turnaround where we're saying maybe it's time to shut this thing down. Maybe it's time to unwind it, put it in a bankruptcy. Let's go through receivership, shut it down. Or we might be saying, is there a fire sale, some kind of a strategic who can come in and buy this thing and uh, and save at least the assets and some of the jobs? Mm. Uh, almost always, we're, we're looking at those two things. But generally, we have a sense of what, what's going to be the right direction. In this particular turnaround, the right direction for us is to grow this and deal with the vendors and go through some of the pain and agony and uncertainty of trying to pull it out of the trenches. Okay. We have a few minutes left here. I would actually love to change the conversation yeah, around sure. turnaround to from business to turnarounds within churches a bit. There were some headlines that came out of some national studies this last weekend where some uh, considerably mainline denominations like Episcopalian and Presbyterian denominations, I don't know if you saw the headlines, but they're, in, no. they're in significant decline as well. And people are leaving the churches and obviously there's financial dimensions that that are part of a deal when a church is going to go under as well. Uh, but some of the differences is a church can continue to exist, right? Even if it doesn't have the finances, people can just meet together regardless of whether they have a building and a budget. Is there a difference for churches that are going under and turning around? Uh, is there versus businesses? And what what would you say? Because I, I know people love to say the church is a business, but it isn't completely a business, right? No, it's really not a business. It is partially because we live in America and we use corporations and do the whole nonprofit status with the IRS. I, I get all that. Uh, but the church, uh, purely the church, as the Bible defines it, doesn't need a building, doesn't need a denomination. It does need pastors and elders, but it can meet anywhere. And so uh, this idea that, that church is business and we have X number of dollars coming in each week so we can assume this much debt, so forth and so on, uh, I really go back and forth on hmm. uh, there. Are, you know, my my church uh, just two years ago went through a process of looking at building and it was voted down because the debt made enough people uncomfortable that they weren't willing to do it. Um, <clears throat> I, generally, I like for nonprofits to stay out of debt. Frankly, I like for everybody yeah. to stay out of debt. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, when I look at what we what we're doing to our young kids yeah. in college, and I know you're a college professor mm -hmm. and they're coming out with an average of thirty five to forty five thousand a debt. I think that's immoral. Yeah. I don't care if it's a Christian college or a secular college or whatever. I think it's immoral what we're doing to these young kids. Our student debts over what one point three trillion dollars now. It's just wrong to yeah. do that. It and is. and they either ought to take five or six or seven years to get through college, or we ought to figure out a way to, to reduce the cost or something. But to ask them to go into debt for the college, um, I, I just I think it's wrong. Well, mm, it's great stuff this morning. Unfortunately, we're already out of time. I do see Logan is quite affirmative yeah. of this student debt conversation. I've got a little tear in my eye right now. Thank you, Bill. That feels good to hear. <laughs> I do love what you bring. I, I, it is it is Bible and business, and yet what you have to say and what you bring each week really does extend across all of life, and it's such an important conversation. So thanks for joining us again, as always. You're welcome. I'm sorry for the soapbox on that. but No, um, it's, it's such an important conversation. We're actually, at the second half of this hour, going to be talking about the 
difference between patriotism and church life. And oh. just that we really are as a community of faith. We need to, yes, we, we play in the world and the business and in, in our country and stuff, but we're really called to a different way of life as the people of faith. And so it's a great topic to get into and it really defines so much of our show. So thanks for getting into that. You're, well, you're welcome. This morning. Great you're to welcome. see you again. We're 27 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break for Breakpoint. So listen in for that. And then we'll be back with the news in the second half of our hour.